You're listening to episode 42 of the Comic Spells. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Guys, I know last week we talked about someone being a scroll and we talked about it until the cows came home, but it turns out it was a hoax and there was nothing to worry about. Because we're all here, right? Yeah, we're all here, so there's no need to worry about it. Wait, where's Pete? I thought he was here. He's not in the window. Sean, have you seen Pete? Now that I think about it, I mean, I thought I did. Wait, but Kale's here. Kale wasn't here last week. That sounds like a really, a really tenuous connection to make, guys. <laughs> yeah, Kale, where were you last week? Circum, circum, circumstantial evidence. I was at a Renaissance fair last week. What kind? Of, what is that a euphemism for? J- jou- jousting. There's a lot of jousting. I, I had a turkey leg. <laughs> I don't know, man. Now I'm kind of thinking that maybe. Maybe Pete's the squirrel. That's that's a really rude thing to say about your friend Sean. Or maybe you are. Yeah. What? Geez, Sean, why would you say that? There's something about the cadence of your voice that makes me very suspicious. Oh, I of always you. talk this loud. You didn't know that. I sit. I sit this far away from the the microphone all the time. He's a scroll. Kill him. You gotta eliminate him, Marco. What do you think? Thumbs down. <laughs> oh, hang on. So. Oh shit. Somebody, somebody's at my door. Hang on. The screen's gone dark. There's some kind of struggle happening. What the fuck is happening at Kale's house? Oh, guys. Kale? You would not believe what just happened to me. Kale, what happened? I was at a renaissance fair. Tell us. I had a turkey leg. (laughs) Uh, a bloomin' onion. Did you know they sell bloomin' onions at Renaissance fairs? What? Really? Yeah, it was weird. That's my favorite. Um, Renaissance fairs. Somebody want to explain this green puddle that's on my floor now? We don't live in your apartment, mister. But I'll tell you this. There was a huge struggle going on on your side of the camera. And we couldn't really right. see what was happening. Uh, well, I just beat the <laughs> shit out of myself, so... How's that any different than any other, any other day? Ooh, good point. You got me there. You guys are listening to the comics, pals, although you... Might not be able to tell that uh, based on all this scrawl talk. How long this shitty bit went on? (laughs) (laughs) The scrawl pals. Oh, boy. Um, Yes. So we're into episode 42. Uh, If you want to let us know who in your life you think is a scrawl, you should write to us because we're all over the place. You can let us know on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting platform. And leave us that sweet, sweet five-star rating um, or whatever kind of rating or like you can leave on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Uh, you can also reach us, reach out to us wherever your social media is sold. We are at The Comics Pals. Uh, we do accept comments on there as well. Um, you can let us know why Pete is most likely a scroll. Uh you can also write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can write in with a random question of the week, uh, a buy or sell, a comment about any one of us, um, preferably nice comments about me, negative ones about Kale, uh, and whatever else you feel like saying. And then last but not least, on YouTube, uh, you can if you are listening to this on YouTube or watching this, rather, then you can subscribe to the channel, leave us a like, a comment as well. And definitely do share this with your friends and let your friends know that we exist and you like what we do. So, big week, right? Big week in in uh, the comic book world. Th- Lots of big th- news. Uh, thanks, thanks, Sean, for that 
one that transition to the uh, Jesus Christ. Are you okay? <laughs> I was gonna like try to transition into the random question, but like awkwardly. You but fucking nailed really it. Awkward. One hundred percent. Great A. <laughs> I started out pretend awkward, and now I'm real awkward. This is what happens when Pete's not on the show. The the, the random question. Is that is that what oh, we're doing Jesus. now? Apparently. Are we just, are we just in there? <laughs> yep. <laughs> we're in there like swimwear. Uh, so what Marco's trying to say is that we have some reader mail, uh, which, which would be diving us into the random question of the week. He got that a little backwards, but... <laughs> We're working through it. It's all right. We're just on episode 42. Uh, take it away, Marco. First time on the show, guys. First episode. Um, <laughs> um, so this uh, random question comes from Matt Murphy uh, from the Longbox podcast. And he says. Sorry, the what podcast? Um, the Longboard something. Um, oh, I've never heard of it. Yeah, I, I didn't expect you would. Longboard I mean, boys, pals. I just sat down for lunch with a copy of Wolfman's and Perez's classic New Teen Titans. <laughs> Excuse me, Wolfman. <laughs> what? It, Wolfman. 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 Wolf- Wolfman. Marv- <laughs> Marv Wolfman. Marv Wolfman. This is the part of the show where Marco gets someone's name. Whoa! Well, yeah, because he never talks. Carry on. Carry on, Wolfman. <laughs> Wolfman and Perez's classic New Teen Titans Judas Contract. And a thought Good occurred choice. to me. Whenever I think of groundbreaking works in the medium of comics, the artist I think of is George Perez. So much of his work has shaped my perception on visuals of specific characters, as well as comics in general. For some people, artists like Jack Kirby, John Byrne, and Frank Miller are the most influential artists for superhero comics. But I'd say Perez. In your opinions, who do you think is the most influential artist to take on superhero comics? What, what was the first comic you encountered their work in? And do you think their contribution to the medium is overlooked in comparison to other more popular artists? Uh, so thanks for writing in, Matt. Um, I think I think the reason uh, you probably, or, or at least part of the reason you probably think that uh, is because um, DC still uses a lot of the Perez art as like promotional material and like licensed products. So if you pick up like a DC-themed uh, birthday card for your niece or whatever it's very likely to have uh george perez's wonder woman oh that's interesting mm-hmm. yeah that's very true that's a it's a weird question to answer because it's like influential as a word i think of jack kirby as the most influential figure in comic books because i don't think there's ev- i don't think there's a figure in the entire industry that had a bigger impact than jack kirby um, as both an artist and a creator and a writer for that matter. But for like, I mean, personally, like who's had the biggest impact on my, like who's had the biggest influence on my personal life, which is how I feel like you're phrasing the question by saying George Perez and, and re- with regard to you, it'd probably be Frank quietly for me. Cause as far as the books that have had the largest influence on my life, quietly has illustrated the most of them has, has illustrated the majority of them. Uh, yeah, that that's kind of how I'm taking this question as well. Kind of like, I think we would all probably say Jack Kirby or may, maybe not all, but I think kind of closer to objectivity, it's kind of hard to argue against Jack Kirby as the most influential artist in comics. Um, and that's, but that's a boring answer. So uh, I'm going to 
pivot a little bit. When I think of influential and when I think of um, having a significant impact on the industry, I think of Alex Ross because he his art is everywhere for comics. It's it's referenced constantly. I think of his art as almost um, as close as we're ever going to get to what these characters would look like in real life. Um, they look like they can step off the page when he draws them or paints them. And uh, that his art has always kind of impacted me more than any other. Um, and it, it kind of adds an air of like legitimacy to these characters in a way that, you know, to the casual fan in a way that, you know, some other artists don't quite. Um, so, yeah, I would I would definitely go with Alex Ross. I would say that um, his art suffers less from like a stigma because it looks very much more as like fine art. Yes. And so people, casual readers and casual onlookers will appreciate that more so than like a Jack Kirby because it's like, you know, that's the comic book style and, you know, comic books still have that stigma. Whereas Ross is very much the Norman Rockwell like inspired. He's very mm-hmm. um, photorealistic and like, like uh, uh, comes from a fine art background which makes it more accessible to those people for me um since i've been reading uh the the way i started my reading is a a lot more like um indian horror focused um for me the biggest influence is bernie wrightson on a lot of the the books that i read the artists that uh i i really enjoy and the the heavy inks the um, sculpting of like the the body, the human form, and um, and then also just distorting it in in ways and making it um like menacing and stuff like that. So for me, it's very much uh, right. Yeah, for me, I think mine would be Will Eisner. Um, I said mm, er- yeah. er- early on in the history of the show that I uh, one of my first comics was uh, the Smithsonian. Uh, museum's book of comic books or or whatever it's called and uh, that was my first exposure to uh, the spirit and Will Eisner and and, um, uh, I mean uh, Plastic Man to to a certain extent Uh, the the original Captain Marvel stories um, but yeah Will Eisner for me was a a very uh, groundbreaking influence in 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 the way i grew up in comics and and it uh that book really shaped the way i see comics i think and i i don't as as influential as as kirby was i don't think eisner always gets the same credit yeah 100 percent. yeah i would say that's true and he's uh he also like helped to push the medium in the way it was presented also you know um his his usage of like time, his usage of space, gutters, like stuff like that. Just um, the way he integrated uh, logos into the background of like like the, the spirit name would become a um, like a, a piece of a wall or like come from the rain or something like that's something that he he did and is like he start he started and is now constantly used. Um, so like yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, well, hopefully that answers your question, Matthew Murphy. 
and definitely go check out his podcast. Him and Tyler, they do the Long Box podcast. It's pretty good. Oh, they have a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's nice. <laughs> yeah, they, they do do a podcast. And uh, speaking of which, hopefully you guys do. do, do. <laughs> hopefully you guys, uh, Matt and Tyler, do happen to listen to this. And if you do, I have a question for you. I want you guys to tell me on your next episode what you think of Secret Empire so far and tell me why it's the best event of the last mm, five years. Okay? Cool. So, uh, as we said earlier, or as I said earlier, before I was rudely interrupted by the random question of the week, uh, it is a big Tran- week. Transition. <clears throat> transition. Mm-hmm. That that was some transition. Uh, it, it has been a big week. Lots of big comic book releases. We're not going to go over them all. But I do want to talk about Mr. Miracle number one because all of us here have been super, super excited about it. And it's finally out. Um, so, Kale, you haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. So, if you just want to plop those. I am a, uh, a trade waiter. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll probably only do this for the first one anyway. So... Uh, if you just want to pull those headphones off so we can have a quick chat about the book. Remember, Kale, I'm going to flip you off, and that's how you know when to come <laughs> yeah. back. I, yeah. Okay. Bye. So, obviously, Tom and Mitch are a, a super team at this point, I would say. They're, they're, they're really cementing themselves alongside all those other, like, Morrison quietly. Like, you know, they're, they're becoming a part of that, that upper echelon. Uh, what do you guys think of this book? Um, Bill and I were talking about it right before the the episode actually, and we both agreed it was um very much a setup issue, but it does um seem to foreshadow some events depending on whether or not like they actually take the turns we're thinking. Um, it's uh it's pretty it's solid. Um, and we were gushing about the art. Like Gerard is incredible in this uh, on this issue. Yeah, so I like how the story is being presented. So it seems like, in my mind, the fourth world stuff's really delicate. The only two people who really did anything really good, like anything really well with it, was uh, obviously Kirby and then Morrison. Uh, I like what I've seen in just an issue, though, because every other panel for a lot of the issue is Dark Side is. And I really like the implication of that. It's it's like it's not just it doesn't just seem like Mister Miracle is trying to escape death. He's trying to escape the enslavement of his free will, which is how the cliffhanger of the issue yeah. uh, plays with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the art is really is really spectacular. Like the entire there's a part in the issue where Mister Miracle's on like a talk show, a late night talk show, and the way they. Um, illustrate like wavy tv lines and blur facial expressions and stuff especially as it leads to the end of the dialogue where it really like raises the question oh well did you escape death mm-hmm. yeah um it was it was so good this you, and sean you preface this conversation by talking about this tandem and i don't think there's a better working team right now like in today's like scene, yeah yeah 2017 yeah, in terms of in terms of the level of 
I, I want to use the word creativity, but I don't think that's correct because obviously all these people are creative, but like they bring something even more unique than that. They bring something different to the table with each book. They're not content with just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, with this book in particular, so I've never read anything with Mr. Miracle in it really. And so I'm coming into this fresh with no idea really who he is. I know a little bit, a little bit about Big Barda because I like her. And obviously I know who Darkseid is. Um, but that's it. So the book, it, it immediately gives me an impression of who Scott is. Um, which was good because I was worried that I wouldn't get stuff, but immediately, all right, this is a guy who his whole life is based around I can escape any, like, death scenario. That's what he does. Scott Free, right? Um, but yeah. obvious... He was raised on Apocalypse, where it was so hellish that he was trying to escape all the terrible things, and he got very good right. at it. So good that it's like a superpower, basically. Yeah. But he can't escape something. And the doom and gloom surrounding him appears to be associated with Darkseid. But I think you're right. I don't think it's actually like Darkseid himself necessarily. I think it's what Darkseid represents. And they bring up the anti-life equation, which is, you know, Darkseid having control over basically everyone, uh, over man. And he manipulates free right. will. And Scott's horrified by that. So I think I think what you said is accurate. I can't wait to see how this plays out. I agree this was a setup issue for a setup issue. This was excellent. And then you can't say enough about the art. Yeah. Marco and I were talking about the cliffhanger where it's like, oh, we got to High Father is dead. We have to go fight Darkseid now. We have to help Orion. Um but it definitely doesn't feel like and it, this is this is it, it makes it feel like it's obvious where it's like there's obviously more at work here. If you go through that boom tube, it's not going to be some grand war with dark side. Mm -hmm. It's going to be something more existential probably. Yeah. Based on like, at least based on the, the books we've read by him, I don't expect it to be like, he's going to go and appear in apocalypse and there's to be like a fight and stuff, you know? And like, that's, that was something that, um, reading through is like the more superhero parts where he's like, Oh, we got to like go and, go get the bag. I was like, nah, all right. But knowing, knowing how, um, Tom King writes and I, I don't, I don't think that's going to go in like that direction. It's definitely going to be like Phil said, like something more existential, something dealing with the actual purgatory that he's in. Yeah. If there is like a battle scene, it'll be a backdrop or a misnomer. I almost yeah. was feeling while I was reading it, like we'll probably never see dark side actually in the book. Maybe like yeah. he'll appear in, panels like flashbacks or whatever but i don't actually think that there's going to be anything that happens involving that mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. i like when they present when the company presents dark side as something more mythical yeah. like final crisis he's presented as like a mythical entity yeah, yeah. um cool so that's going to do it for this conversation about mr miracle obviously we all are excited for the future of this book um, so, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about it more, um, as the issues come out. Um, so just, you know, stay tuned for that and let us know what you thought about it as well. If you did pick it up and read it, we can't recommend it enough. So do check that out. Um, so for this week, we've got some pals pulls. Um, as you know, pals pulls is 
us curating the books that we are most excited about that are coming out this week. So if you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, these are the books that we think you should go pick up at your local comic book store. And if you want to share your Pals Pulls with us, use the hashtag Pals Pulls all over social media, and we will acknowledge your pulls on the air if we like them. Uh, so from Kale, we've got Kaiju Max Season 3, Number 2. And Corto Baltese under the sign of Capricorn. Uh, so the second book you actually read already, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in the middle of it. Um, Corto Maltese is from uh, uh, a guy called Hugo Pratt. He's, I believe he's Spanish. Um, old, old European comics. Um, I like to describe it as uh, like Cowboy Bebop set in World War One. I'm sold. Yeah, it's it's really good. Really um solid like seafaring adventures and um I can't recommend it enough. Cool. It's awesome. Uh so also from Marco we've got Sandman Special number 1 and Women's Comics. Do you want to say anything about either one of those? Um so yeah, Sandman Special is the continuation of, like the whole Jack Kirby month that DC's doing and they're releasing a bunch of books um, based on like some of his characters and the rest of the new gods. Um, so I'm looking forward for Sandman, uh, number, number one on that one. And, um, Women Comics is, it came out recently as like a collection of an anthology series by, um, the longest running only women's publication. And so I got the, the box set for it and I'm really excited to like dig into it and just explore um, a different side of comics from a different perspective. Awesome, man. Uh, and then from Phil and I, we've got Dark Knight's Metal number one. That's the big super event coming out of DC. So, Phil, I've I've been following kind of where the story's going for a while now. I think you are a newer convert. Do you want to talk about, like, what you know or what you think is going on and why you're excited for this? Um, well, we, you and I talked about it a little bit, like, two weeks ago, like, uh, as, like, a, a preface of it, I guess. Um, I, I think I kind of forget the conversation, actually. That's right. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was kind of sold on it. With, um, there were a few things that were reminiscent of, like, late Grant Morrison's run and early Scott Snyder's run that I was, I was like, oh, that might be interesting. Um, on the face, I thought it sounded kind of dumb because it's like, oh, the Batman invade. <laughs> the multiverse Batman. Um, but it, I think it looks good. I think I think I really do like Capullo's art a lot. So, I don't know. What, what about you? Uh, so, for me, the, the two one-shots, the forge and the casting, they both really set the stage for a huge mystery. Uh, surrounding this this metal that has had huge implications over the DC universe for a while now. Um, for those of you who re- who did read um, uh, Scott Snyder's run on Batman, you'll recall that there's this thing called Dionysium that re- restores him and also is in the Joker. And so there's a lot of stuff going on surrounding that. Well, that Dionysium comes from the metal that this book is about. So he's been setting, planting seeds for this storyline for a long time. And now they're bearing fruit. Um, 
there's it's 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 kind of like it's kind of um Im- really embedded so it takes rereading honestly of those two specials to really get stuff if you're a, a big dc fan like you are phil there's stuff you'll get that i probably didn't even get um because there's hawkman stuff involved that i didn't get and and a bunch of different things like that um but that excites me and i love having to kind of invest more of myself than just reading the book one time to understand what's going on and that that gives me hope for this book on top of that snyder and capullo are just really excited and whenever two creators of that caliber are genuinely dripping excitement over a book that they're working on you can expect great things gross sean yeah right that was weird uh yeah what what were they dripping with excitement excitement (laughs) oh yeah um, oh shit! Is the is the scroll kill oh, back? No. Oh no! That I was, let it die. That was that was my Greg Capullo impression. What? Um, is this? Um, shut up a sec. Is this the introduction to Hawkman in the DC Rebirth, New DC, whatever universe they're calling this? I okay. I don't want to speak out of turn because I haven't I haven't been following whatever. I like. I'm. I don't know about Hawkman really. But I'm I'm fairly sure that that's correct because there's a one shot coming out uh, in a few weeks called Hawkman Found, and I believe that that's going to reintroduce him into the the Rebirth world. Okay, we we just don't know yet. Uh, well, yeah, we I don't know what that what that issue is about necessarily. Yeah, and we I don't, don't know what it looks like. Yeah, I don't remember if Hawkman has already been introduced, but I know that that issue is coming out. So, because he was in, he was in the New Fifty Two, right? For sure, he was. Yeah, it was Rob Liefeld. So, I. But I th- is that I, true? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um. But there's a lot of Hawkman stuff in this. Uh. So I would definitely, I would definitely look to Hawkman being a major role, having a major role in this series. Um. So yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to get my hands on it. DC with a huge event. And then the other book for me was Batman. Um, Batman number 29, War of Jokes and Riddles has been great. The Kite Man issue that everyone was looking forward to uh, was awesome. Tom King is on a huge role. It's war between the, the Joker and the Riddler, but not presented the same way we were talking about Mr. Miracle. This isn't presented in a way that's like in your face. It's really about it's, – it's really kind of about Batman – trying to save people and failing him not being able to be everywhere at once and what that causes so it's like the setting yes yeah it's it's the loss that the loss of life because of these two huge egomaniacs warring with each other that batman is consumed with very 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 good stuff tom king just knocking it out of the park as usual um so with that we're gonna jump into the news this was a massive news week. There's a lot to get to, so let's just dive right into it. Uh, Cable, we've seen we've seen what Josh Brolin looks like as Cable uh, from Deadpool 2, which will be coming out in 2018. Uh, what did you guys think? We got two teaser images. It's a cool image. Yeah, I think he looks. I think he looks good. Um, I think this is as close as we'll probably get to like the 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 giant you know comic book guy 
without it being too CGI gross, you know? Yeah. He looks great. He looks great. Uh, and to your point, Kale, or having to suffer through an actor who is bulky, but not necessarily on the caliber of Josh Brolin. Yeah, I, th- I, I think I think Josh Brolin will bring something extra to this role. Um, whereas if they got somebody like Dolph Lundgren or, or, or something else, it, it just wouldn't be as compelling. Like I, I I know and I firmly believe Ryan Reynolds would pull it off and make it interesting and make it, you know, funny. But this way it spreads the wealth a little bit. Yeah. Uh is Josh Brolin the one that's playing Thanos too? I don't yes, remember. Yes, he's double dipping. Interesting. This <laughs> this brings uh, it brings it brings up what I wanted to say. I've seen a lot of critis- criticism of him. Oh, he looks too much like Thanos. What? Yeah, it's the same actor. That's weird. Fucking asshole. <laughs> Who would even yeah. say that's so dumb? Yeah, that's a weird criticism. Uh, I don't know what it is. I know I know Cable's not purple. <laughs> Guys, I don't I don't like the way Thanos looks. He looks too much like Cable. Uh, so. I I agree. I think I think this is as close as we'd ever get. Um, I'm wondering though if you guys take a look at the image, he's got a teddy bear next to the pouch of grenades. What's up with that? It's to attract Deadpool. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I think we got a comment on this on one of our social medias, and I don't remember who made it, and I apologize. Uh, someone said it might be a reference to Hope Summers. Um, and while I don't think we need that, I think that is a cool uh, pull. Yeah. I think it, it adds a, a layer of character to Cable that I, I don't know that we were expecting. I think if Hope is in the future and Cable has that teddy bear as like a you know, like, like a, a a memorabilia piece or whatever, something to remember her while he goes on this mission. But she's either grown already or a young child who he's left behind. I think that's fine. I don't really have any interest in them introducing Hope as a character in this movie. unless yeah, in, in Deadpool. Yeah. Right. Unless they're stripping her of the meaning that that... that character brings with her from the comics in which case why use her at all um but rob liefeld actually had something really interesting to say in an interview with newsarama that i wanted to share with you guys and uh get your feedback on uh so so this is what he had to say uh this part of the interview and some people may not realize it in or out of comic books but cable is a giant character in comic books We can't underscore the comics he starred in or carried or the peaks he achieves. I saw the fortunes of a book change the second he was put on the page. Cable is the last biggest character who's come out of comic books. If anyone has an argument about someone else, you're going to lose. I was talking to someone at another publisher and they said Cable was the face of the 90s. I got to thinking about that and he's up there. Uh, for me, I worship everything from the 70s. I adore the stuff I grew up on. I worship Namor in the blue costume. For people who grew up in the 90s, they adore Cable and Deadpool. 
Do you guys agree with that? It sounds more. It sounds like more Rob Liefeld hyperbole to me. Yeah, it sounds like the same. Like, oh, it could have been anybody. It could have been a janitor made Deadpool. <laughs> it sounds like the same Rob Liefeld garbage he said before the the last one came out. He's he's blowing smoke up. It's it's like very self promotional. Yeah. Did he? He didn't create cable. I think did he, he did. He did. He did. That that's why they're even talking to him here. He co-created the, uh, cable, I should say, with Louis Stevenson. Um, but yeah, I I this is yeah I, I agree with you guys. Rob Liefeld being Rob Liefeld, I'm glad he's excited. It's got to be a kick for him to see his characters blow up this way. Um, as far as Cable's presence and uh, meaning in comics, to be honest, I don't know if he's wrong. If you really think about the 90s and you think about the characters that came out of that era, who was more popular than Cable? Of, of characters created in the 90s? Spawn? Mm, that's a good point. I don't know. What, Savage Dragon? No. I was also thinking Savage really? Dragon. I don't think so. At least in the context of the 90s. I mean, I've heard, yeah. I've heard a lot more people talk about Bishop than Cable. What? Yeah. Because uh, Bishop was on the cartoon. So was Cable. Was he? Yeah, that's how I first. Yeah, they're both yeah. were. That's that's where I first saw him. Um, I always thought Cable was a massive deal myself. Uh, when I first saw him, my eyes like got wide because I I was like, this guy is so cool. Uh, and then I I wanted all the Cable toys and I had them, um, and I just I just love the character. And at that age, I didn't know what his character was. Like, I wasn't looking at it that deeply. I was a kid. But I just knew there was something about him that was magnetic. And I am willing to bet that a lot of other kids had a similar experience with the character. Obviously, now, as I'm older, all the pouches, patches, guns, you know, hulking body, that doesn't really appeal to me as much. But the character of Cable, the grizzled war veteran who comes from a horrible future, who wants to... Uh, change it so that the people that are living in the current time don't have to go through what he did. That appeals to me, uh, and I think that there's a there's a real cool, um, genuine character there underneath all of the pouches. And Rob and Luis created that. So, well, Rob created all the pouches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not take credit away from his pouches. <laughs> uh, so, moving along. Um, Avengers 3 is not out yet. Uh, that comes out in a year. Uh, we, we can't see it until May 4th, 2018. However, Avengers 4 has already started production. Good. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not out until May 3rd, 2019, but it has begun production. And I want you guys to check out this image. Uh, I'm sharing it with the pals now. Uh, oh, check the glove? that out. Yes, the glove. Whose glove is that? Magneto's glove. Magneto's glove. Magneto's glove. No, it's not Magneto's glove. <laughs> Can anyone tell me whose glove that is? No speculation other than Magneto? Jubilee. It- <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even wear purple gloves. Does she? She wears blue gloves. Uh, not with that attitude, Sean. Miss Marvel? No. Hers are Hers red. Are red, yeah. I'm reading the 
I'm reading the internet's comments, and everyone's saying there's four fingers. The Fantastic Four are coming back. <laughs> that was my initial, like, wishful thinking thought, but that's without question not correct. Really? Uh, I That didn't even occur to me. Dude, I want it. I want the Fantastic Four. I, I have I'm not to saying I, I'm not saying I don't, but, like... I mean, it's not a great thought. It's It's, you know, very... Very dumb, but I don't know, Sean. Who do you think it is? You know what? To be honest, I have zero uh, speculation because I can't place this glove. Like Galactus, I don't know. You know, you know what? It could be Adam Warlock. See, that's the thing. Um, James Gunn did an interview recently. Uh, said he'd be in Guardians Three. He said he'd be in Guardians Three, and he said he'd be a baby in Guardians Three. Yeah, he said he's gonna be a baby. Because he's just born. But in any event, uh, I look forward to what Avengers 4 brings. Uh, it looks like Zoe Saldana actually spoiled the name of the movie, and it's going to be called Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. So uh, there's that. I will move on. Uh, because the Disney store is now selling an official Miss Marvel costume. Oh, that's Whoa. rad. Man, that's rad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm getting it. That's a that's a you know that's a minor thing, but I just I got really excited when I saw it because Marco, did you just say you're getting it? Yeah, I want to get it now. Yeah, <laughs> for who? For me? For who? Nice buddy. It's for little girls. Oh, uh, nice buddy. They don't have like adult ones. But, no, oh. listeners, if you want to see Marco wear a, a, a little girl's Miss <laughs> Marvel costume and post on an Instagram, please write leave in. us a comment if you want to see. Make Marco Miss Marvel. <laughs> Hashtag make Mar- Marco Miss Marvel. <laughs> Man, oh, that's this hilarious. was good news. No, I'm dripping with excitement. <laughs> uh, so the reason that I really was excited about bringing this up on the show is because I, in addition to the fact that I think this, I think this is something that we need. I think. Um, Bringing Miss Marvel closer to the mainstream is is a great move. Uh, young girls seem to really associate with her, um, and, and and because she's a teenager, I think that that brings her a lot closer to the age group of young young girls, and and they really enjoy that character. But it seems like there's a push now to bring Miss Marvel maybe into a movie or a show. There was a rumor a few months ago that I believe his name is Ridley Scott. Um a famous director. Yeah. Is, is is he is what is he what is alien. Okay, not that guy. Not not alien guy. Um but someone someone else uh was working on a a project for ABC that was rumored to be a Miss Marvel television show. So what do you guys sorry I was ahead, gonna Gail. say yeah I, I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. What do you guys think the the sort of direction for Miss Marvel? What's the plan for Miss Marvel going forward? And we're talking about Kamala Khan, obviously. And by the way, I was talking about John Ridley, not Ridley Scott. John Ridley. Um, I think that based on the conversations we had last week, like around the way that Marvel treats its overall brand, uh, I think it's going to be a play on like that younger that younger demo 
and as well as the like more of um like a minority so i feel like they're probably gonna try to twist it in a way that this show is gonna be and i I hope they don't um make it like a in america for young girls um like kind of thing you know like where it's not they, they keep true to the character and the way that she's portrayed and the way that she speaks to these to these younger readers versus just making her um like a promotional tool so i think i think the direction right now is um weren't they gonna uh, were they canceling her book uh it was rumored to have had low sales that were putting it on the chopping block but i haven't heard anything since we reported that um a few couple months months yeah yeah right yeah so i think that um if they do cancel it uh i don't see it being the same kind of property that it was like obviously you're gonna have a different writer different artists and all that stuff but they're not gonna keep it i think the marvel machine is gonna get their hands on it yeah so i i kind of wish that miss marvel had been allowed to play the role that spider-man is playing in the mcu right now where he's the young kid who gives us like a, a lens into this world of gods and monsters from the perspective of a teenager um, I think Miss Marvel would have been great for that because we do need a a superhero that is a a, a woman. Um, I mean, she's a girl, but um, we need that fresh faced youth. We need that minority character, uh, and I think that she she brings something to the table that no other character does. Um, but they've put Spider Man in a position where. If they did introduce Miss Marvel in that same way, they'd be double dipping. He and I wonder how audience right. I wonder how audiences would receive her at that point and if if she were to be introduced on film. Now if she's introduced on television, that's a totally different ball game, but then what are the chances that she makes that jump over to to the big screen? Right. Zilch. Yeah. And I think that's a waste. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I guess I don't necessarily agree that it's a waste. Like I would like to see Kamala Khan in in a movie, but I just I for her appeal for you know younger well for for girls and and young women. Uh, I think I think it might be. I don't. This is going to sound reductive, and I certainly don't mean it to. Uh, I think it would be better served as like an animated series. I think, you know, get uh, uh, an Earth's Mightiest Hero-style champions show and get it done well, and she leads that team. You know, put her in the forefront, make her lead, you know, Jerk Nova and Miles Morales, and, you know, I think that's that's a perfect vehicle for that. I think that, yeah, I think a Miss Marvel television show or a champion show... Or Miss Marvel and the Champions. That could be a ton of fun as an animated series. You're absolutely right about that. But do you think that if she were to be, if she were to be given that, that ABC, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. style, uh, show, do you think that that takes away from her value? Or can a show like that work, be successful, and not make you wish she had a movie instead? Yes, uh, because Supergirl did it. Uh, 
uh, CW just did it with Supergirl, and it's on its third season, I think. Maybe. And it's good. It's like, I mean, it and The Flash are reportedly the best shows that the CW has. Well, they also have Riverdale, so. Uh, I mean, Riverdale's doing great. So, yeah, good good point. <laughs> that That's the point I was making, yeah. Um, but the difference is, though, that DC has no apparent limitations about who can appear on a television show as the star versus appear in a movie because we're getting Flash. Flash is in the in the movies, but he's also on television. Played by two different so, actors. Exactly. So Marvel doesn't seem to want to do that. Sean, I have a question. So you're asking, like, do you think if Miss Marvel is limited to TV, that's a limiting factor to her as a character in the eyes of Marvel or to the audience? Do you think characters like Daredevil... Like the Netflix characters, do you think that's a limiting factor for them? Ah, see, that's that's the crux. Uh, no, I don't, because those shows are so good, <clears throat> and they play so much in their own sandbox that I think it makes sense. And also, I don't know that a before the Netflix series, I don't know that a Jessica Jones or Luke Cage movie brings in that audiences. Means, yeah, yeah. The same way that, you know, like an Iron Man movie does. Um, and so I think that that is the perfect home for those characters. I think Miss Marvel has massive box office potential as a crossover that bridges the gap between every audience that exists. If if she does get a like an, a solo show like like a Netflix uh, series where she is the main she is the lead and she can. um and she she is played in that position as the lead. I think that it'll be successful and it'll push the character in a really good direction in the public's eye. But if she is a character like another backdrop character in Agents of Shield, she's going to be throwaway, and it won't have. She'll have the presence, but she won't be the. She won't be as upfront. She won't be the presence. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I guess that remains to be seen. Again, all of those rumors have been in existence for quite some time. So whether or not they'll bear any fruit is, you know, we'll we'll learn that in time. And that whole conversation came from a costume uh, that Disney Store is selling about Miss Marvel. So and that Marco is buying and that Marco is buying. Uh, so Walt Disney is leaving Netflix. There's a schism. Uh, Disney is removing all of their content from Netflix in 2019 to launch their own streaming service. Um, They're actually launching two services, one for films and um, television shows and one for sports. So they'll have two separate ones. Um, It's like it's an ESPN service, I guess. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. And so what that means, of course, is that they're going to be pulling their content from other services because they're going to have their own thing. And so the big question has been, what will that mean for the Marvel offerings on Netflix? Are we going to lose the Daredevils, 
the Iron Fist and the Jessica Jones and, and Luke Cage. I mean, we um, could definitely lose the Iron Fist and nobody would bat an eye. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want that. I don't want that. I want Iron Fist. I know that I read a, a recent report where they were saying that Netflix is definitely fighting for like properties like Star Wars, for example, which is Disney-owned, to keep that on their services. And I think Hulu was also fighting for some of those as well. So, uh, I, I'm assuming like maybe they'll make some exceptions to like, let's say, um, like, like TV shows, like, uh, you know, whatever they have, like Mickey Mouse stuff, like, you know, those I'm pretty sure they'll probably let go, but the ones that the bigger names they'll probably fight for. Netflix is definitely threatened by the prospect of network driven streaming providers. NBC, NBC, CBS have also talked about doing their own, uh, streaming services where they would lose things like Parks and Recreation, The Office, 30 Rock, or all the Star Trek series, things like that, if, if these networks all went to their individual streaming services. That said, if if Disney pulled that, I probably would stop watching their things because I don't want to pay too much money for different streaming services. And that's, that's the thing. This, this is a, a terrible idea across the board. Like, not just for Disney, but for ABC and CBS. And Warner Brothers is about to do the same thing for Young Justice and, and, and the DC Comics properties. This is a bad idea. And you can see that, especially now, because uh, the comedy streaming platform, CISO, just folded. Like, people... The what? Uh, there was a, a, a comedy-specific streaming platform called streaming providing service it it had like um original programming it had uh uh, a bunch of older like snl episodes uh monty python uh stand-up specials it it was decent but it was 9.99 a month and like it's it's a cool thing and if you're super into comedy it's really great the problem is like there aren't that many people that are into these specific things and like and i think cbs is gonna learn this real hard like people aren't gonna buy uh you know access to your 9.99 a month you know streaming service when they already have netflix like it's just this is nuts like stop stop being greedy assholes for three seconds well i mean if if netflix loses a lot of these programs it's gonna hurt netflix too ultimately Mm -hmm. because then a lot of the diversity of products that that netflix offers is going to be watered down it's going to hurt everyone the problem the problem will be oh well the people just aren't watching it so the stuff that is actually progressive and diverse like the star trek show they're going to blame it on the diversity. They're not going to see that their uh-huh. shitty streaming service didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about this uh, a, a little while ago now, and I said that the Disney proposition of them launching a, a, a streaming platform was the only one that could find success. And I I maintain that. I think that an ESPN service, streaming service, could work. Yeah. ESPN, um, yeah, that sort of makes sense with, you know, live sports and, and live sports entertainment or whatever. But I past that, I don't, I don't see it. 
Dave Meltzer actually kind of talked about this recently on his podcast, and he was talking about how outside of, of mixed martial arts, wrestling, and boxing, sports have a very hard time uh, doing like a, a, a pay-per-view structure where like a streaming, a streaming service is more or less comparable to that because you're paying for a service every month. Um, like there was an example in the early 90s where the Olympics tried doing this, and it was a massive flop. Um, so even with an ESPN app that was like $10 a month or something, I'm not sure how successful that would be. Maybe you're right. Uh, you, you may very well be right about that. However, when it comes to the film and television angle of this, I really do think that there are a lot of people who have enough faith in Disney's, um, film and television line that they would, that they would pick this up. I, I, I suspect there are a lot of people who have Netflix for Disney. So... I think there's a great chance that this could find success, but I, but I'll tell you this: I would never get it. I already have Netflix. I already have the WWE Network. I'm not picking up a third service. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. So. Yeah. yeah, I think that's where, but I think that's where the problem lies ultimately. And Spotify. There you go. I have I have the Spotify subscription, which is like ten dollars a month. Right. So that's $30 a month of subscription. I think either the pricing structure of these things has to change so they go down in price, but then the question becomes, are they viable to even do at a $5 price point, uh, or they need to stop because people only have so much money they're willing to allot to something like this. And as you guys accurately pointed out, it's not just about films. It's about um, music as well. It's about podcasts. It's about all of that. Um and so there's only so many dollars, and I think they really need to slow their roll and not not do this. But it's too late for that. So. Yeah, like the the partnership had only been in existence for a year. Uh, well, no, it it actually they they signed it in 2013, but it didn't take effect until last year. So it had only existed for a year, like. Well, no. Well, <laughs> it's it's a little weirder than that is what I'm trying to say. It's weird that they would have agreed to this partnership way back then, launched it, and then changed their mind so quickly. They want their money, baby. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, speaking of Marvel's Netflix offerings, though, uh, we've heard a lot from critics about the Defenders. And with the Defenders launching next week, um, here are some reactions to the show uh, that Rotten Tomatoes has received. So far Rotten, on Rotten Tomatoes, Defenders Season 1 has an 85% fresh rating uh, with some interesting early reactions. So here's a fresh reaction from uh, a reporter at TV Guide. Where Avengers was epic spectacle on a global scale... Defenders is far more concerned with characters. It's a slow burn, not an explosion. For some fans coming in, expecting fireworks immediately, this might seem to be a detriment, but I'd argue that's where the Netflix model excels. Uh, so that's that's one fresh reaction, and then here's a rotten reaction. Uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and even Iron Fist deserve better. And it's gratifying to remember that three of them will likely have better series to return to once they finish this mission. There's no, sh <laughs> There's no shame in admitting defeat, even for superheroes. Some acts are just better off going solo. 
So that's those are two reactions coming from uh, from reviewers for various websites. Uh, what do you guys expect? What's for this? What's series? its uh, overall rating? Isn't it something like an 80? 80? 85% fresh. That's not bad. Out of how many how, do, how many reviewers? They've got 10 so far. So it's not certified fresh yet. I it, don't know you what. Need, I think you need like 30 reviews in order to be 30 or more to be certified fresh. Um, I don't know what to expect. Um, so I've been, I've been rewatching season one of Daredevil and I haven't watched it since it was original run, which I think came out in 2013. Is that when the first wow, season? Wow, shut up about it in our chat. Uh, no, it was yeah, uh, it was like uh, 2014 because it came out just as I moved 20. to New York. 2014, 2015. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's just spectacular. I feel like it's on its own level. Um and I feel like it's just been a kind of a slow descent since then. It's not that the other shows are bad. It's just they're not near as good. And that's maybe an unfair comparison. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it will just be okay. And that's okay. I, I'm, yeah, and that's okay too. I, I'm going to go in with kind of with, with no expectations. Yeah, same. I'm going to try to... Just go in and see, like, because again, I I don't I don't have any history with these characters. I only know them from the shows, with the extent of like Daredevil, or, um, or with the exception of Daredevil. And um, so yeah, Defenders to me are just like sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in blind, and I'm gonna go in, um, you know, so blind like Daredevil, blind like Daredevil. <laughs> uh, I. I'm excited, and uh, I can't really, I can't shake that, and I don't feel the need to. I think this show's probably going to be pretty good. Uh, it may not be the quality of Daredevil. I think Phil's absolutely right. I don't think that the other shows are on that level. I think, for me personally, Jessica Jones comes the closest, but even that is a drop off from where Daredevil's at, um, and I don't think that that Defenders is going to be any better than Daredevil by any means. But I think it's going to be very enjoyable. I'm into the story. I can't wait to see how this phase, if you will, of the Netflix series resolves and where it leaves these characters. So for that alone, I'm pumped. Um, As for the quality, of course, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Soon, though, I think August 18th, right? Yeah. Next week. Yep. Uh, So... Let's talk comics, because sometimes we do do that. Uh, oh, do we have to? <laughs> so we're getting a Batman and the Signal uh, miniseries, uh, which is going to be dropping here really soon. Um, b- now, there's two things that I find to be really interesting about this book. Um, one is that Cully Hamner who uh, co-created Red, is going to be illustrating the series, which is pretty cool. Um, and then uh, and then in addition to that, uh, Tony Patrick, who is a DC Writers Workshop alum, is co-creating the series with Scott Snyder. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, so we'll talk about that first. Um, this is a guy who took their their class, right? 
And is going from that to working with Scott Snyder, a, a bona fide legend in the um, comic book industry, working on on a series. That's amazing. It's a big step. Huge. Yeah. Um, and so now we have Wolverine uh, Batman. <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment. I do want to read a couple quotes here. So this is from Snyder. Um, and he's talking about why Tony was chosen. He works with kids in Brooklyn at a center not unlike the center in the series. He was really passionate about the character. And then this is what Tony Patrick had to say about getting this opportunity. I work with students, and what I've realized is I'm a real advocate for high school kids. I realize that I go to I go after what I need when it comes to getting resources for the for the kids, but as an artist, I never did that to myself until recently. I think it was that class that I said to myself, if you don't raise your hand and say that you're interested in this, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. So apparently he volunteered to work on this book with Scott Snyder, and Snyder agreed to do it because of how close he is to the source material. So I think that's really cool, and I'm glad to see that DC kind of has their own um, their own sort of school where they're they're grooming these these students to come up and work on their books and that they're really taking that seriously yeah good for him honestly yeah uh what's, what's uh, so funny Joe? <laughs> oh yeah that's good yeah good for him uh yeah i like it yeah uh, it's real good uh so in addition to that as phil alluded to duke thomas is now the signal, but I think he's really Wolverine. Pretty sure he's Wolverine. Question mark? Because, yeah, he kind of looks like Wolverine. He kind of looks exactly like Wolverine, except with a bat signal on his chest. So, do you guys think Wolverine died in Marvel and was reincarnated into DC? As a black teenager? I mean, the, black sure. teenager. the Fantastic Four been? died at Marvel, and they're being reincarnated Holy as uh, the Terrifics. So. Wow. Can we talk about how all the Fox Marvel characters are being reincarnated in DC? <laughs> Sounds like a conspiracy. Uh, so let's talk about Justice League. Our favorite uh, the movie. Uh, our, our, our favorite <laughs> subject here on the <laughs> Comics Pals we're going to talk about. Justice League because... We're not even, even going to have a show when this movie comes out. Like What's going to happen to the show? We're not going to have anything to talk about. That's true. Well, <laughs> shit, man. What have we been doing for the last hour 15? Uh, man, bullshit. <laughs> Padding yeah. the show till we get here. <laughs> You're right, dude. I'm, uh, I can't wait to talk about Justice League. Uh, so, Ben Affleck and the actor Joe Morton, who plays uh, uh, Cyborg's father in the movie, um, sorry, Kale. I, uh, you know, I had a little slip there. It happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the look that Kale's giving me right now. <laughs> Portion of the show where Sean mispronounces a name. I didn't mispronounce the name. I flubbed the whole sentence. I, I wasn't. <laughs> that wasn't a look. I didn't. I didn't give you any kind of look. I, my, I, I raised an eyebrow or something because I didn't know who Joe Morton was and then you told me and oh. I went oh okay <laughs> oh. I, I, I look at Skype while I'm talking and it's just a bad idea but uh, in any event uh, Joe Morton who's playing Cyborg's father uh, t- 
talked to IGN a little bit about the movie, and he had some things to say about the reshoots. So we're talking about the reshoots here. Um, and so this is the question that IGN asked him. Can you say what's different? Is there any difference in tone? And Morton had this to say. Well, the stuff that I had to do were just really small little bits and pieces, nothing necessarily having to do with tone. I know that with Ray, um, who's playing Cyborg, the young man who plays Victor, there were some adjustments that they made in terms of the tone of that character. I think what I heard was that there was a need from the studio to lighten up the film in a way that the film felt too dark. I don't know what that meant in terms of how it actually got translated in terms of the reshoots, but that's what I heard. That's what I thought some of the reshoots were about. Uh, so, so we're getting more of an understanding of what these reshoots actually were and kind of confirmation that they really did sort of pivot and want to make this a lighter film. Um, and Ben Affleck, sorry. I said, I figured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ben Affleck did have more light to shed on this matter. Uh, so let's hear from Batfleck himself in an interview that he did with entertainment weekly. It's a little bit unorthodox in reference to, uh, working with two directors on the film. Zach had a family tragedy and stepped off, which was horrible. For the movie, the best person we could have possibly found was Joss. We got really lucky that he stepped in. Um, he added that the, the that he felt the result was an interesting product of two directors, both with kind of unique visions, both with, both with really strong takes. I've never had that experience before making a movie. I have to say, I really love working with Zach and I really love the stuff that we've done with Joss. So, again, is this, it's a question of, is this a cover-up? Is Ben kind of trying to shift away from the idea that the movie's in trouble? Or is it really in good hands with Joss and are we, you know, are we in for something special? Now, there was an article that I did read. I didn't include it in the news because it was very much kind of um speculatory there wasn't there wasn't any fact involved but it it alleges that the early cut of the justice league movie was unwatchable and that that's why they're doing these reshoots i'll say i'll say what i said when we first heard news about reshoots and all this stuff you can't polish a turd that's it how do you know it's a turd goodbye marco see ya bye everybody it's been fun love (laughs) you (laughs) <laughs> I I I think I agree. Um and I know we've said that, you know, we want to give Zack Snyder the benefit the benefit of the doubt uh with everything that's ha- happened and, you know, with the comparison to Joss Whedon coming up, inevitably coming up. I just I especially after Batman versus Superman, I just don't I don't know how this could have been a good movie. But it's not it's not even finished. Yeah, cuz they had to add a second director to make it better. They added a second director because Zack Snyder's daughter died. Yeah, but Joss it feels like Joss is taking a larger role in the DC cinematic universe too. That's true. You yes. know, it feels like they this is real morose, but it really feels like they're using someone's tragedy as like a business decision potentially 
Potentially. Zach did remove, I don't know if this is still the case, but as of a couple of weeks ago, he had removed all mentions of DC from his Twitter account. Uh, that could be totally just, he just was redoing it and whatever. They could even be up right now. Um, but uh, that's what he had done. I, I agree with you guys. Yes, there are some things that look fishy about this. And there's no reason for anyone to think that this would be a good movie based on Batman vs. Superman. But we've got Jeff Johns. We've got Joss Whedon. Listen, Avengers 1 is an amazing movie. And that was magic. It, I, I, I mean, listen, you know, whatever. But that was a magical movie. And he could bring that same feel to Justice League. Granted, he can't remake the entire movie, but if it really was unwatchable, Joss could add some scenes, tweak some dialogue that could really make this into something. I think it's hard to try to make something after somebody's like provided a product. Like it's it's hard to create your your vision of art based off somebody else's art or based off somebody else's like already like their materials. So while there's total validity, validity to like to your point, Sean, I feel like the it's it's gonna be difficult to really marry the two. The the two editing styles, the two shooting styles, um just from like a visual standpoint. Yeah. Uh you're right. You're you're absolutely right. I, I'm remaining positive about this movie. I choose to. I want it to be good. Uh, I don't know why I feel this way so strongly because it's not as if I've been overjoyed with their recent offerings other than Wonder Woman, but I really, really have faith and I, I want this movie to be good. So I'm just going to ignore or not ignore, but acknowledge what's, what's not looking so great without letting it overwhelm my perspective. And I want to end this topic with a quote. From Batman himself, Ben Affleck, where he said, This is a really nice time to work in DC. They're hitting their stride. They're getting it right. It's starting to feel like it's really working. So, there you go. I mean, good. I, I, I do, honestly, I've, I've said this before. I do want this movie to be good. I'm all about the Justice League the same, uh, the same way, if not more so than I was the Avengers. Um, I just... I. Other than Joss Whedon coming aboard and and redoing the whole movie, I don't really see how it could be. I I, I acknowledge Wonder Woman was good, but I feel like Justice League was being produced at a time where DC was still transitioning. And I mean, that unfortunately, could be the problem. I mean, that's what everyone's afraid of with this movie is a, a tale of two cities, so to speak. I was just gonna bring that up. Yeah. Uh. In, in, and I, I hope that it's not evident when you watch the final product. For better or worse, I don't want to watch a movie where it's, it's very clear that it was made by not only two directors, but two diff, basically two different studios. Because WB, Warner Brothers, has changed and the DCEU division has changed since the movie began production. So I don't want this movie to end up feeling like two different movies. And I, I'm afraid that might happen. Yeah, and I mean, if we look at comics, like you can tell when someone's art is different. Yeah. 
Uh, so we'll know when Mustache Superman is on screen that it might be better, and when he's not on screen, it might be worse. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, the biggest news this week, undoubtedly, is that Netflix purchased Mark Millar's Millar World. Um, that That is monumental. Probably the biggest news to come out of comics gosh since disney bought marvel i i would say um and then so that happened at the beginning of the week and then we got hit by another punch when amazon signed a deal with um robert kirkman and skybound uh so last week it's 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 actually kind of funny that this is all happening now because last week we talked about whether or not comic books the actual floppies uh, were an afterthought in the eyes of Marvel and DC, but uh, but the rest of the the industry as well, uh, and whether or not they were sort of just a a way to backdoor pilot a movie, pretty much to see if there was interest enough in a comic book property to make a movie out of it. Uh, and one of the things that was brought up was that Mark Millar has a has you know openly stated that he makes comic books in an effort to get movies made. And now he has a direct open door to do that with Netflix, which is, you know, great for him. And, and beyond anything else, I'm really happy for the guy. He, he, he made his own way in comics and that's fantastic. And now he's got this, op- this huge opportunity. So what I want to do is just kind of have a, a loose conversation about both of these deals uh, and what they mean for the industry going forward um, because this could change everything. Now, for, for context really quick, both Robert Kirkman and Mark Millar are committed to the grooming of young talent. Uh, Robert Kirkman has been adamant about Skybound being a place where unproven talent, people who have not been given much of, an, of, of a chance, can put their book out and see how it see how it plays out in in the world with Skybound as the imprint. That's fantastic. Mark Millar has done the same thing. Millar World hosts contests, talent contests, where writers and artists can submit their work um, to him using like writing scenes or drawing scenes um, that are based in his in his comics. So you could, for example, write a scene from Kick-Ass, you know? Uh, eventually. Um, Oh yeah, so there you go. Uh, what what uh, what scene did you write? Okay, so for, he had a, for what book? He had a book called The Chrononauts. And oh yeah. The way the submission the way the submission worked is that one from each title would be selected. In my mind, books like Kick Ass would have a lot more submissions, and plus Chrononauts there was less content. So I was like, I just want to go with. Um, and so I tried to write like a real fucked up thing where they basically fuck up the past so much that they come to a future where it's completely unrecognizable and that whole kind of thing. Oh, that's interesting. Apparently not interesting enough for Mr. Millar. Ha ha. Um, so, so yeah, they, they, they're committed to helping young talent out. And I would love to open the conversation with the question of, will that still be a priority now that they're both under the umbrella of big sort of 
companies that don't necessarily care about that. Will projects that were created by young, unproven talent under Millar World actually get a chance on Netflix? Same thing for Kirkman and Skybound. Marco, have you harassed Kirkman on Twitter about this yet? Uh, I did, actually. There's a tweet going around. <laughs> yeah. So uh, go check that out, people. Woe is Marco underscore on Twitter. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> for Marco's hot takes. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, no, go, go, go. I, I, just, I just had a quick question. These are, they're only, like, adaptations, right? Like, the television and, and, and film versions of the properties? Well... So with Skybound, I think the Skybound deal is a little different, maybe. Uh, so they've got a first look agreement. Um, and in addition to that, an overall deal where they'll be, they'll be, they basically have first, first right to publish any show that is developed by Skybound, essentially. Um, so that's, that's kind of different, at least in my brain. Then no, it absolutely is because Netflix bought the company itself. Netflix now oh, owns the Okay. World. So yeah, so I guess that's my question. So Netflix will be putting out books with Millar World, right? Like my in my head, what what's going to happen is now Millar World is being bankrolled by Netflix, who have say in what gets published. Um, but I would imagine that they're more interested in having an outlet to okay we created this book now let's make this movie about it you know we created this book let's make this show about it that kind of thing to, to tie it in with the conversation we had earlier it feels like netflix is very cognizant of losing its licensed properties that are are being licensed to netflix like from disney and stuff so they're really focusing on original content and buying properties they signed that deal with adam sandler uh, malar world stranger things uh, that Will Smith um, project with uh, uh, what's his name? Um, that writer uh, Max Landis. Urban fantasy thing. And so it seems like they're really moving toward uh, original Netflix content. Yeah, and and this is one more way to boost and supplement that arm of Netflix. Uh, and I think you're right. Now the question that I'm that I'm asking um, because we talked last week about how detrimental this could be the the level of sort of flippancy with which comics can be treated in favor of film but if if people are getting opportunities that they wouldn't get otherwise because of things like this is it so bad uh and i want kale specifically i want you to to speak on this what are your thoughts on that i i don't think so um, I think I think the Netflix Millar World thing is is unique in particular because if it if it goes the way it, it sounds like it is in my head, you know, where where they are like bankrolling Millar World and they are funding more comics, I I don't see that as a bad thing. Assuming that's what they do. Uh, Assuming that's what they do, um, if they um, Netflix, I've, I like I feel like Netflix, and especially with their focus on original content, uh, has they put out quality stuff for the most part. You know, your mileage may vary on the Adam Sandler projects, but 
you know, I, uh, I, I do think they allow for creative vision. Um, oh, what about it all? Your mileage may vary, <laughs> um, but I, 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 I think if they they end up doing something similar to Image and and sort of looking at the way Image is done there, their publishing line and 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 sort of copying that model, I think it could it could be good. Um, Indeed, Kale. And I don't mean that and I don't mean that in Phil's shitty catchphrase way. I <laughs> like I, I don't think I I legitimately don't think that would be a bad thing. Um but that said, if Mark Millar is just using it as a springboard to just make films, I mean, bully for him, I guess. You know, I. <laughs> yeah, I. If it, see if if they did expand Millar World to be that kind of image, sort of um, imprint, that would be amazing, and I would love to see his commitment to young talent. Um, flourish now that they have the capital to really to really take that seriously and i'm not, and they have they have been taking it seriously i'm not trying to diminish his effort on that front and that's one thing that i will always give mark millar is that he does care about mark producing millar. new talent well that he cares about mark millar a lot but um i mean it's called millar world um but he also does care about the young talent, and I want to see that continue under Netflix. But maybe Netflix doesn't really care, and maybe they're going to go for the top-tier talent, try to scoop more top-level uh, creators up, and just put out big books. And that's fine, too, but if they're just doing that to make movies and television, then just take those same people and, make and just make and those movies. Yeah. yeah. I think that like at this stage... I th- I still think they're going to be very separate in terms of like Netflix's influence on stuff because it is newly acquired. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some shakeups in Millar World and the structure in their business practices. But I think that's something that will be ongoing and rolling and we won't probably see any effects until... Um, I mean, this is it's a pretty large endeavor, so I'm just saying maybe at the earliest late next year um like where we'll be seeing the effects of netflix acting as like uh and uh as like the parent company for millar world um and i see that uh, i feel like it'll the focus will still be on the creators on 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 the comics up until the point where netflix starts making some more decisions on things um, because they might have different ideas. I mean, for all intents and purposes, they might go into comics too, you know, like it, it could also be, be that step. It could be like um, Netflix wanting to go into comics uh, to make, to make like a stranger things graphic yeah. novel or uh, oh. uh, an Adam Sandler adaptation. Yeah. You know, it, it it's, I mean, <laughs> you can, you can license the properties. They already own and create uh you can expand on that we have you know the buffy the vampire slayer like we still have those comics we had we had samurai jack go on for a couple years like we we could see them enter the field under malar world and expand and really 
um, lean off their own properties in a, in a different way. So, uh, I see it as, I see it as a positive overall, like for comics and for the, the Netflix industry, because like, um, like Hale was saying, it's also a way to, you know, as they're losing, um, licensing rights to shows like, like Disney, right? They'll have more of a focus on original content and they may be, they might do, or they might be comparable to like an HBO now, you know, where they'll have that kind of original content that you can only get on Netflix. Same way HBO has Game of Thrones, which it is an adaptation, sure, but it also has stuff like, uh, like it had Band of Brothers, it had Veep, you know, it, it has its own content. So I think overall, this is a really positive decision and it's going to go in a really, uh, I'm interested to see where it goes, what direction it goes. Do you think that there's any possibility of this having a negative impact on comics in any way? Um, I think, you know, I mean, you guys know me, I'm a big proponent of image and their their model is something that I feel should be mimicked and should be more commonplace in the industry. And I think that this will allow that to happen. So I don't, at this point, um, in the way that I'm foreseeing it, I don't see it having a negative effect. I think I think there's a, a distinct possibility of opening a door for more attitudes like Mark Millar's. Okay. Um, and, and I've seen this myself out in you know in in the industry, you know, really smug, pretentious creators going, "Oh, I'm just into comics to get into the movies," like because comics for the you know for the most part isn't it's not a money making endeavor you know you can only you can you can live off doing comics but you gotta work really really hard um one thing i've said for a long time is i just you know i just i just want to write and i just want like i just want like one tv deal it doesn't even have to go through (laughs) but like i you know i just want i want to be able to live you know i just want i want to pay off my student loans that's all i want and i'll write comics i'm not super interested in creating tv shows or movies but I, i would like to feed my family you know so when can we expect the kale verse to be bought by netflix well i can't now they've they've been bought uh they bought uh, 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 Malar world. Oh, is Hulu but talking I, to you? But I am talking to Hulu. Um, thank you for uh, you know, putting that out. It, um, the talks aren't quite there yet, but you know, we'll get there. Uh, the thing for me is that th- th- all this news, all this talk, it doesn't translate into more dollars in the comic industry. Uh, it's not translating into more fans of the books it doesn't do anything for the industry itself even with netflix buying malar world what does that even mean you know what is that what does that translate to in the physical books when you look two years from now are we going to see like you guys said like a stranger things comic a house of cards comic orange is the new black are those things coming yeah if you get a stranger things comic more people are going to buy comics undoubtedly fans of that book will Fans of that show will pick up that book without question. And that's great. And that's we could use that to bolster sales. But unless but it, 
but it's also sorry it's also a war of the stands you know you also have to fight with marvel and dc uh to be on the stands i mean i don't think that's going to be a problem you know we have small independent books that make it that make it big you know monstrous is a good example i mean and they they but that's one that's one book among marvel and dc's a hundred well monstrous i mean marjorie lou marjorie lou is not a she's a big name in comics so that that book taking off is no surprise i'm just Um, i'm just i'm just saying you know they're gonna have to work hard and if they want real sales they're gonna have to pump stuff out you know yeah absolutely but they have the advantage of being able to say well our book is stranger things yeah you know absolutely and that's gonna bring in casual people who don't read comics really at all um to come and, and pick these up and i don't think that any comic book shop owner would choose random small press book over Stranger Things to be on the stands. I think that that, like, a book published by Millar World, in any book published by Millar World in 2017 is going to be a big deal because that's what Mark Millar is in the industry. Now that he has Netflix behind him as well, that adds even more cachet to what the guy does to where now you're talking about Mark Millar and Millar World alongside Image, alongside Almost Marvel and DC, whereas you weren't necessarily doing that before, but it was still a big deal. So I just, it's great on that level, but I just don't think, I don't know what it adds to comics. What, what comics, what comics needs is the ability to attract bigger audiences and no one is working on that right now. I, um, while you got, while you were saying that, I actually had a thought, like, what if, because like this is let's say a threat right and we know that we talked about in the past we don't feel like marvel and dc put like money where their mouth is when it comes to books like we feel um we've talked a bit in the past where it's just they don't support the the books as much as they do to the movies um if netflix were to take a stance where they do want to support the book because they they just bought out miller world and they put budget behind that it might in turn make DC and Marvel rethink where their priorities should lie in terms of pumping money into the comics industry. Because if they're going to have this competitor take whatever market share that they have now, and it, I feel like it's a, like a, a low bar to get in as a, as a publisher with that kind of money. I think that it'll be a way to sort of reignite the industry. If, if there is that competition, because right now it's Marvel and DC, they hold, uh, we've talked about it in the past, like eighty nine percent of the market share, right? This big, this big guy comes over and says, "Hey, I want to step into your line of, uh, into your your market. I want to, I want to take something from you. That's something that's threatening to Marvel and DC, and that they wouldn't wouldn't allow." I I think that that could prove really interesting, and that's a good point. Um. But my thing is that Disney, in all the years since they purchased Marvel, have not shown a significant interest in comics. And that tells me that Disney does not believe that there is value in comics. They don't believe that there is value in those characters beyond 
the name, the power set, the character itself. They don't see value in the books. And so I question whether or not anything would compel them to pump money into those books and whether or not they would care if the books no longer existed, quite frankly. That would suck. That's a good point. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think it matters to them really at all. And, uh, I don't know if it matters to Warner Brothers. I think Warner Brothers, you could make a better case about there with the rebirth line. I think they sort of realized making the universes match up isn't working. And with the success that rebirth is having, I think, I think it's, I think they're steering more for the comic books and trying to get more people. Sure, but it's hard to it's hard to say how much of that we can attribute to Warner Brothers' influence or just DC being free to do what they please. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and we also like in my mind, I need to see dollars coming from these big parent companies into comics to do more promotion. We've talked a lot about promotion on this show. And we've not seen – it doesn't make sense that ABC is owned by Disney, which owns Marvel, and they don't promote comics on television. It doesn't make any sense. How much money would it take to produce a uh, a trailer or a commercial for Secret Empire? Why haven't I seen that? I mean, I mean, uh, like I said, I think it was over the Christmas break I saw oh, that's right. uh, a trailer for the Justice League Rebirth book so what do you guys think about the the robert kirkman skybound amazon element of this because obviously skybound had a deal with amc Mm. that was a first look deal and of course they were publishing the walking dead if you're the walking dead and all that stuff um so does this new deal with amazon affect those shows that are already in play um and do you think that this helps comics at all? Pete's getting his his Invincible series. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say. Uh, I'll say what Pete's thinking right now. Uh, Invincible's getting a, I don't know, fucking name it. Well, we're already getting the movie. <laughs> yeah, it might be on Amazon. It might be you know pushed by Amazon. It might. Yeah. So now we might get two or three movies, which yeah is rad. I don't know. I I don't really I don't really feel like this one. I mean, this one I think is a big deal. But like I'm I'm a there's less implications maybe. Like I know Robert Kirkman. I know his work. I like his work, but I'm not like a huge huge, you know, fan. So I'd never even heard of Skybound until fairly recently. So I don't really think I don't really think this is going to have that much to do with anything, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm not maybe I'm not really putting that right, but I just don't this one doesn't have as many implications. Yeah, like Marco said. Um Amazon is great and they put and you know, uh they put out great content. I know because the Tick show's coming out here soon and man, that's going to be good. Uh but what I've read about this this Kirkman Amazon deal is that it's going to be, you know, TV show and and movie rights and stuff like that. So I don't think it's going to have that much impact on the comics market. Yeah, it's another it's another TV buy. You know, it's like, um, I mean, it is Robert Kirkman and it is Skybound, so there are 
there's more more material there to play with, but um, I think it's just another you know run of the buying property and acquisition. Yeah. Hollywood's just desperate for content. Well, l- let's just clarify: Skybound wasn't purchased. Though, well, I like, like rights to their characters. Yeah, and stuff. like a, like like yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Phil uh, and, and Marco's sentiment where they are desperate for um, ideas. They don't have, you know, a ton of original content coming out. And comic books have become the new farm for Hollywood. And, uh, you know, we talked about it last week. It's unfortunate. I wish that these new deals that we're hearing about, my hope for, for the future... Uh, with these deals is that in some way they make a positive impact on the industry as a whole. That's what I'd like to see. I would love to see more opportunities for young creators, more opportunities for women, more opportunities for minorities, because anytime there's, there's a new, um, there's new anything in any industry, it opens up jobs. People have to, people have to work there. So I would love to see more editors, more writers, more, um, more PR people get opportunities through this Millar World Netflix deal um, that will give different voices. I would love to see Mark open his door even more, allow new creators in, give them a voice, give them a platform. Let this be an opportunity for comics to show off what comics can be when not chained by those big industry corporations like Marvel and DC on a massive platform. Because right now, there is no uh there is no comic book company that has that door in to mainstream media to showcase comics that aren't superheroes. It you, doesn't exist. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I think I think it would be interesting to see Netflix uh actually make that Netflix for comics, you know? I think Man, that's a wow. that's a that's a possibility. How did we, we not think about. of that? I'm confused. What do you mean? Well, like, you know, there's um, a lot of talk about, like, I don't know. I mean, and, uh, like, the thing is, I, I still don't know how it would work, but, like, you know, instead of a going streaming out, service for comics? Yeah. Oh. Unlike Comixology, you know, where you can. Uh, pay a subscription and read whatever you want and you know that's it's it's like netflix but for comics yeah that's the thing i i don't know how it would work a lot of companies have tried it uh marvel unlimited is pretty close uh comicsology unlimited is fairly close but the problem is all of these companies have their own rights to to their books and their their publications and stuff and not all of them want to be a part of something like that because i think i think the big hindrance in 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 creating a a a company like that or or a product like that is is getting getting all of the money to all the people that it belongs to you know so you can't have you can't have kick-ass on this platform, uh, you know, when you're renting it for nine ninety nine a month. 
and Mark Millar and you know all of and John Romita Jr. are going to get all of the money that is owed to them. Uh, I just I don't think it will be viable, especially for smaller creators. Is is what I'm saying. Well, in the case of smaller creators, shit, man. If I had a book and it was out and it was being featured alongside anything that was relevant, I'd be pleased. But that's the thing is not everything on Netflix gets featured. That's absolutely true. But even on the off chance, even if you if you go on Netflix right now and you type in the letter T, you know, a bunch of these movies and, and shows are going to come up. And if you scroll down enough, you might see my project. Well, hey, that's one more eye that wasn't on it before. And I didn't have to put in any more effort. So I think that a Netflix for, for comics has great could have great repercussions for uh, creators who don't have any real platform. And the, 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 the big hindrance for these projects is that they always feature those books. And those are the featured books. And most people are not going to pay $9.99 or whatever it is for lesser – for uh, lower tier creators. They want Brian Bendis on – Avengers. They want, you know, they want those books. So if you can get that, right? And then you can also have the smaller titles. You're talking about something that could change the game for small time creators and give them a platform that they don't have now. And I would love to see that. But I think, I think, Kale, that you're ultimately right in that the value, not for the small creators, but the value for Marvel and DC isn't necessarily there it's like a it's like a spotify thing you know like spotify has has those people that they're smaller artists um but it's it's easy to get on there through um like some uh like a third party you can go through like a tune core you you have you have platforms that allow you to be there for less money than it would to have an imprint to self-publish it it makes it accessible and more importantly searchable easily searchable on a platform that contains what people are already looking for. Like Spotify has artists that, you know, are already, um, people are already looking for music on there. So they're going to, they're going to find music. Uh, people are looking for comics. They're going to find comics. Albeit it's not going to be the top book, but like, like Sean said, you're going to, you're going to get eyes on it. Someone's going to get eyes on it. And that's, that's what matters. Like getting the eyes on the product and just being out there. If not, you're, just going to be uh, it's going to you're going to be stuck in like in like uh trying to attain something that i don't know that you, you that that's near impossible without a lot of capital and we've all been to conventions we've covered them we know what it's like to be a creator sitting there trying to get somebody to pay attention to you and with th with this idea of a Netflix for comics you don't have to do that. There, well, you, you'll still do it at conventions, but all throughout the year when you're not at these conventions, there are people who have the potential to see your work without you having to put in an iota of, of effort other than just making it. And I think that that's beautiful. But seeing it doesn't mean buying it. No. But seeing it has value. You, you can't – yeah, you can't guarantee a buy no matter what. And having another opportunity to get someone to potentially see your book is priceless. To somebody who's poor, trying to make it in an industry that doesn't care about you. 
Um, and when you look at Spotify, Spotify has a great system in that they don't waste. I everyone sees commercials on Spotify. You hear the commercials. They don't. I, I don't. I, I pay the ten bucks. So. Spotify Premium, maybe. They don't promote Jay Z's newest album because Jay Z's newest album does not need promotion. Title. They right. Well, you know what I mean, though. Um, they they have commercials for like indie rock or rappers that are lesser known, things like that. The things that need that promotion, and I love that they do that. And something like that again could be huge for a Netflix um, style for or Netflix for comics. Uh, just getting eyes on things that don't have eyes. I mean, Kale, think about the possibility of you having a commercial on something like that where your book is featured. How many more purchases does that does that lead to? Look, I don't I don't disagree, but I have books on Comicsology, and uh, I've had them for I've had it on there for two years, and I made eighty bucks, if that. It's eighty bucks you didn't have before. So, sure, but I mean, that's it's still not that much. You know, and they've only promoted it the week after I put it on Comixology. Like, I don't know. There's got to be the concept is there, but for smaller creators, I I just don't I don't foresee it working beneficially like i don't think just having it there you know next to thor will do much for it i i i will i I respect your opinion but i know that when i go into the comic book store and i see a book that i had no interest in prior and i walk in and i see all right here's marvel here's image here's whatever oh what's this i've never heard of this let me pick this up and look at it oh it looks interesting i'll just buy it that effect that works in the real world can also work on a platform like this. And even if it only leads to a small amount of extra sales for you, the small time creator, those are sales that you didn't have to work for that you now have. And in an industry, again, where it's hard to make a dollar, making it easier even in the slightest Seems like a win-win for everybody. A to D, buddy. A to D. You have ADD. <laughs> Why would you say it like that? That's this a- conversation a- isn't even about that, Marco. Are you okay? <laughs> no, he has ADD. A to D. RTD two. RTD too soon, buddy. Sean, end the show. Uh <laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation obviously it did dive into some more um speculation stuff but uh i think that this is big news and this is the kind of thing that's going to shape comics for the next five years i i truly believe that we're going to hear more about this over the next five years we're going to hear about a netflix for comics there are already rumblings a lot of different companies have tried to do this they failed for various reasons, or they exist, but they're not super popular. Someone's going to figure it out. Someone's going to make it work. And we're going to be living in a different world at that point. And I'm excited for that world because I want to see more opportunities for small time creators. And I want the comic book industry to flourish. And I think that this is one of the only things that could really inject new life 
into this industry. So I look forward to that. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, if you want to talk to us about this, share your thoughts. What would get you to subscribe to a Netflix for comics style streaming service what would get you to put your money down for that uh let us know you can do that by reaching out to us on itunes um and all other podcast hosting platforms we are there you can reach out to us on the social medias we are on all of them at the comics pals you can write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com and on youtube you can subscribe to this channel you can like the video uh, leave a comment and share it with your friends uh, be sure to listen to the Video Game Pals, which drops tomorrow. I'm actually really excited for that episode, so check it out. And uh, on YouTube, if you are not already a follower of us on YouTube, you should become one because there's a lot of exclusive content, not only already there that you don't even know about, but coming really, really, really soon. Uh, so stay tuned for all of that stuff. Let's do some plugs. Uh, I'm Pete and Bessie. Uh, you can find me at loud underscore Pete. Um, talk to me about why I'm a scroll. Uh, and why my hair is... What's his hair color right now? Blue, red, pink? I think it's blue. Okay. Talk to me about why my hair is blue. Also, if you want to read more from me, you want more content from me, you can check me out on CBR. I've got articles there that you can read uh, about a lot of things. They're really good. Help me pay the bills. Cool. All right. Kale. <laughs> <laughs> I had a plug for someone else and I can't think of it, so fuck it. Uh, you can find my stuff on Comicsology and panelspublishing.com. Um, please buy my books so that I can uh, pay off my student loans and uh, be happy like everyone else. Everyone else is uh, happy. They're not. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto and Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Marco. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Woe is Marco and on Twitter at Woe is Marco underscore. Be sure to like and retweet my uh, trashing of Robert Kirkman, y'all. That's Phil? what he does. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, you can find me on Tinder. Um, make sure you swipe right. <laughs> At Cyborg Bebop in the Philly area, and uh, you can tell me why you uh, think I'm a scroll as your as your initial message before we. And you can tell us why you swiped right. <laughs> why? Yeah, why did you swipe right? Tell me. Yeah, tell us why you swiped left. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it for me. Cool. Uh, and I'm at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. Let's talk about Jean Grey, please. <laughs> uh, let's also talk about Secret Empire because that's also really good and uh, yeah that's that's all tell Sean that Cap is a Nazi tell me that but then I'll tell you that you're wrong <laughs> uh, that's it for this episode guys and we'll see you next time take care guys bye, bye. get out of here go home we don't want you here get what out what are we still doing here <laughs> Why are you here? Get out of my house. Go home. The show's over. God. This isn't funny anymore. Get out. Okay, that bit's over. <laughs>